98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. It's going to be lit, is what I hear every single day. It's, it's, it's the greatest radio show ever. Dan Bickley. Fitz Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. I love this show. <laughs> it's the greatest radio show really that's is. ever existed. It really, really In is. In case you needed a refresher for the new version of the prolonged open. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Murata. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. It is an undeniable, indisputable, mathematical fact that the Phoenix Suns only have to go 11-9 and to win an NBA championship. That is very true. Sounds very doable, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially after games like last night. They have to do it in a certain order, though. Yes, they do. <laughs> right. That is true. But the only way you can come up with that number, 11-9, and 9, is with the Suns ultimately winning the championship. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, you have to do it sequentially. But whatever. It's another step up the ladder. And you know what? I would totally sign up for that run of just two games above 500 over the next 20 games. <laughs> Perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. What a night in the Valley last night. Mercy. Or as Bruce, oh Arians, what a night! Or as Bruce Arians would say, "Holy hell, baby, what a party!" <laughs> and I haven't been to sleep yet, baby. Nothing better than putting uh, the words "holy" and "hell" together for a, you know, an emphatic statement about a party. It's almost as good as good gravy. Yeah, right. Uh, yes, I agree. I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, where do you want to start? You just want to start the show? You got anything to talk about? Anything to say? I think you want to. How's things? Unburden yourself of? You guys are both wearing purple today. Or you kind of yeah, we are. No, yeah. This is more pinkish, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, well, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you, are, got, you I, are wearing what? What? I got purple in my shirt. Purple? Of course you do. You have every yeah. color in the That's whole right. palette on your shirt. It works beautifully. Yeah. Wow. It could fit any I, theme that we were going for. I got hit with the, uh, the first thing Bick said to me today. What the hell are you all dressed up well, for? Just, I was thinking the same thing, but I know you hate when people say that. I didn't. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that obvious, but that. But there have been days when, after late night games, when you've been in a string of working a lot, yeah. you you can casual it up a little bit, and that's fine. We do radio. This is not a visual yeah. medium. But he didn't hit you with the oh, what time's the trial? Or, yeah, hey, you job interview. interview? Yeah. <laughs> Right. People are so predictable. Yeah. I just yeah. felt like I wanted, no, that to, is true I wanted because, to look nice for you guys because today. The, because those kind of <laughs> things, when you say them to people, it's so easy to hear something different. Like, man, you look great today. Have you lost weight? Oh, you're saying it was fat? Yeah. You know what? The the counter, if that one really bugs you like that, hey, what, what time's the court date? Or what time's the job <laughs> interview? You always counter it with, No. Family member died. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See how quickly the mood changes. Yeah. Of course, that's really horrible karma. They ever tell you the time that after my mom passed away, I went back to work and I was in a really bad mood. And a coworker looked at me and said, "Bickley, what's the matter with you? You're acting like your mom just died." Really? <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, "As a matter of fact, she did." You're kidding, right? <laughs> no. Right. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna not. I'm going to save that one for the autobiography. Oof. Start the show, Barrett. That's rough. The 
Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. The Phoenix Suns, uh, Suns marketing buzzword for round two of the NBA playoffs, as unveiled last night, is relentless. And after a lackluster first half, that buzzword was on full display in the second half. Suns use a 16-0 run during which all five starters scored points in a span of three and a half minutes to turn a nine-point deficit into a seven-point lead. Then in the fourth quarter, it turned into the Chris Paul show. He scored 14 of his 21 points. Suns win going away, 122-105 over the Denver Nuggets in game one of their best-of-seven series. Mikel Bridges led four players who had 20 or more. He had 23. DeAndre Ayton was at least a draw with uh, presumptive MVP Nikola Jokic. And And that's a big win. Suns outscored Denver 65-47 in the second half. Jokic did have 22. Aaron Gordon chipped in with 18 for Denver. But the Suns grabbed the 1-0 series lead in an absolutely electric environment last night in downtown Phoenix. And the uh, bar has been set for Game 2. Could not be more surprised, could not be more proud of what we uh, experienced last night. I was expecting the typical Phoenix letdown. The big event, uh, big picture, celebrity-obsessed town that needs to kind of work its way into a series. That's not what we got last night. Nope. Nope. <laughs> And and listen, this this is a big. The story uh, extrapolates in a lot of different places, and it this is one of the first real, true home court home field advantages post pandemic. We got it in Phoenix, Arizona. Now Denver's going to come strong too because they're not allowing kidding. eighteen yep. uh, eighteen thousand at Ball no. Arena when the series shifts there. I'm so not, I'm not saying it's not yeah. coming back. We're going to start to grow. Oh yeah, but we're one of the first. Absolutely, I totally agree with that. Uh, The NBA Coach of the Year Award was handed out yesterday, and it did not go to Suns uh, coach Monty Williams. He finished second to New York's Tom Thibodeau, who took home the award for the second time in his career. Williams actually had 45 first-place votes to Thibodeau's 43, but not everybody had Williams in their top three on the ballots. Uh, Quinn Snyder of Utah finished third in the voting. I know Monty Williams' mentality is to brush stuff like that off, and Mm -hmm. he was very humbled by the NBCA coaches uh, Coach of the Year Award that he won, which might, in the grand scheme of things, mean more to a coach to be voted and yeah, recognized by his peers. peers, but he was still very deserving. Not to say that Tom yeah. Thibodeau was not, but uh, a little disappointment there's, for Monty. Uh, there's no doubt that this was that East Coast bias was in play here. There's absolutely no doubt about it, okay? But I look at it this way. Doc Rivers got two first-place votes. If, if he wouldn't have gotten those, those would have gone to Tom Thibodeau because it's East Coast bias. Probably. So to me, it's this award, I, I it... It it bothers me a little bit, but uh, but Tom Thibodeau, uh, I I know him a little bit. He's a a great basketball coach who can never really stay rooted in one place because he wears guys out. Mm-hmm. But he's got a really big heart, and he did a really great job. So I'm not tripping too much about that. Yeah, but but I will say this: the fact that the players seem to really feel bad for Monty, and the fact that Monty was just just maybe a touch cryptic in his comments, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They'll make this work for them. Elsewhere in the NBA playoffs, Brooklyn destroys Milwaukee again, 125-86. They grab a 2-0 series lead. Um, 21 three-pointers for the Nets. They look really strong. Two games on the schedule tonight. Philadelphia hosting Atlanta, Game 2. In Philly, Hawks lead 1-0 in Utah. And the Clippers getting underway in Game 1 of their Western Conference semifinal in Salt Lake City. 
D-backs road trip continues. They try to snap a 17-game losing streak away from Chase Field tonight in Oakland against the Athletics. John Duplantier against Chris Bassett in a battle of right-handers. First pitch 640 here on 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station. ASU making a change in their baseball program. Just a day after the Sun Devils were bounced from the Austin Regional by Fairfield. Fairfield! Uh, Tracy Smith was fired as head coach. He spent seven years in Tempe. Four times made it to the postseason, but never even advanced to a Super Regional during his time. A lot of speculation about a potential contract holdout with Cardinals linebacker Chandler Jones, but he was at Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center yesterday as a minicamp gets underway for veterans, the mandatory minicamp, but mm-hmm. that did not sway Aaron Rodgers into reporting to Green Bay's minicamp. Uh, weeks of speculation on whether or not he would show up is answered today as A-Rod a no-show. And uh, finally, Jim Fossil, who led the uh, New York Giants to an NFC Championship and Super Bowl appearance in 2000, passed away yesterday at the age of 71. Young man. Uh, Fossil spent a year as the Cardinals offensive coordinator in 1996. I was always a fan of his. Yeah. Yeah. Good Good coach. coach. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There's your splash for uh, Tuesday, June 8th. And we got a lot of recapping to do of a big Suns game one win over the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference playoffs. We'll get into it next. Spickley and Murata live from the Akchin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns win. The Suns win the opener of this Western Conference semifinal series as they come in with a strong third quarter, a brilliant second half, and they win it. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Over on the far side, trying to break through. But it's knocked away. The pass is stolen by the Suns. Here's the lob for Torrey Craig. He gets the hoop on a beautiful feed from Cameron Payne. And it's 102-84 Suns. Al McCoy on the call. That was part of the pull-away process for the uh, Phoenix Suns in the second half last night as they turned a close game into uh, basically what was a laugher at one point. Got up by as many as 20 points. They win it by 15. They grabbed the one nothing series lead. And I played that highlight, and we'll get more into the crowd a little bit later on. But there were so many ear-piercing moments mm-hmm. in that game last night. You know, provided from highlights from the Suns, who played a really good game. In fact, I think they played their best half of basketball last night in, in the third and fourth quarters. But that, to me, was the, the pinnacle of the crowd noise and atmosphere last night. I agree. Cameron, they got the steal. I think it was Sharich outletted to Payne. And you could see the play developing, and I was actually like under my breath, sitting courtside, going, this "Lob it, good. lob it, yeah. lob it, this lob it." Yeah, and he did, and and you yeah. heard the result. Yeah, there. I think you're right. I think that was the crescendo moment for that crowd. And once again, I just I felt um, I felt that might be a weakness, lethargy, emotional lethargy from a crowd now. Because in the old days in Phoenix, Arizona, if you went from the Lakers and LeBron to a team like the Nuggets and uh, a player like Nikola Jokic, who is certainly Excellent, but not exactly celebrity. There's a there you there would have been a huge letdown in this market ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Huge times change, yeah. audiences change. Huge tidal wave though in the uh, in the second half as the Suns just dominated play after halftime, and I was pretty encouraged after the first half because I don't think the Suns played very well. I thought they were pretty much thoroughly outplayed by Denver, yet they trailed by only one. 
that got up to, I, I believe, nine in the third yeah. quarter, and that's when the, the the alarm bells started going yeah. off for the Suns. They actually got a double-digit lead. They got they went up 70-60 at one point. That's right, that's right. And Because I, I, I made a mental note. I'm like, yes. oh, this thing is now double digits. How interesting. And, and that's right when the run started. Yeah, the there, was a, there was a growing feeling that I shared, just like you explained, where the game started and it, it became pretty obvious to everyone that this Denver team is more dangerous offensively around the entire floor. They have more shot makers, more offensive weapons, and when they go through Jokic, he can be punishing inside when it all kind of works and flows for him. And so for most of that, you realized, okay, this might be difficult here. But then I had that moment, I'm like, the Suns have not even made a run yet, and Mm -hmm. this building is waiting to blow up. And that's when it dawned on me that this this is going to happen for him, and it did. And and wasn't that long thereafter when, you know, the Nuggets were waving the white flag. Yeah. Uh, Monty Williams, uh, head coach of the Suns, talked about that third, that, that run that uh, started in the third, lasted into the fourth. I mean, our players understood that we hadn't played the kind of defense that we had talked about. And, and Coach Willie Green uh, reiterated that point. Uh, he, he was encouraged because we hadn't stepped our defense up to the level that we wanted to play. Um, you know, they missed some shots, but I felt like our defense – as I said before, the communication went up a level. We started talking earlier in situations, and that allowed for us to get stopped and then play in transition. But I thought Willie Green did a really good job of calming the waters, talking to our guys about if we can get some consecutive stops and start playing defense the way that we know we can, maybe we can get out in transition, especially if we can get some live ball turnovers or rebound the ball. Willie Green's getting a lot of love from Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Um if if that continues, he might be uh, elsewhere next year in a head coaching position. Just saying, uh, okay. he, he he has been good, very influential. For me, Bick, the run started with the play of Mikel Bridges, who was absolutely fantastic last night. Here yep. he was on that second half run. He was getting stops, exactly what Coach said. Um, you know, we had we adjusted a half. We weren't doing what we were doing. We had to play harder um, and follow our game plan. And once we start doing that, getting stops, the other end opens up for everybody, and we just. You know, we got aggressive on on that end. So our defense led to our offense, kept getting stops and um, getting buckets. Yeah, what Mikel Bridges fin- started in the third, Chris Paul absolutely finished in the fourth. No, it was just sort of um, trying to be aggressive, trying to stay aggressive. Um, I missed a lot of shots early, especially start the third quarter, and just knew, you know, we, we sort of, me and Book play together, and then he's in, and I'm in, so just trying to be more assertive. Yeah, I thought uh, Chris Paul made a statement last night. I thought he was outplayed by Compazzo in the first half. That completely flipped on its ear in the second half. And the statement to me kind of serves as, for anybody else watching in the Western Conference, maybe in Salt Lake City, maybe in L.A., that was kind of an uh-oh moment, I think. Chris Paul looked like Chris Paul. He did. Over the whole second half of that game. Okay. Now, he did not look good early. Mm-hmm. But as that shoulder loosened up, he absolutely took control of the ball game like we haven't seen him do in the postseason. Yeah, no, listen, and it, it's the day began with that great video of him shooting threes, which really kind of made everybody feel good. I just, I think that's probably the intent of it. But the first time he felt any contact, it twanged on him. You could see it, mm-hmm. and it it. It reminded me that he's probably being treated with kid gloves in practice, that who's ever checking him in practice is not even touching him. But he fought through it, and he was absolutely terrific. And I agree with you. The end of that game, you could tell by the look on his face that that's the best he's felt in a while. As far as Mikhail Bridges and his energy, it changed everything. 
Um, what I felt from Mikhail Bridges on the floor last night is what I felt he brought to the floor during that overtime game in Cleveland, where suddenly somebody told him, rev it up, mm-hmm. move faster, cut harder, be a disruptor, because he was... That was awesome, what he did in the third And he was one of the guys, probably maybe the only guy that really had sort of an underwhelming series versus the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the Lakers are a superior defensive team to to what Denver showed. And I I think offensively, and when you look at the distribution of points, nobody shot the ball more than 14 times for the Suns. Every starter shot between 12 and 14 times. Four of the starters had 20 or more points. That hasn't happened in a playoff game for the Suns uh, to have four players with 20 or more since 2006, uh, going back to the, the, the seven seconds or less days under Mike D'Antoni. They looked like themselves offensively um, more so than they did at any point in the Lakers series. And again, credit to the Lakers because that's the way they need to play, challenged offensively, really strong defensively. The Nuggets are a much better offensive team than the Lakers, but uh, I think the Suns probably enjoyed the the decrease in intensity defensively, well, what, what they experienced in not game only one. that, Not only that, there was very little from Nikola Jokic in terms of attempting to challenge D.A. and try to draw fouls from D.A. And I, I'm starting to see a difference in the way these premier centers are, are, are dealing with D.A. There is very little sense of a vulnerable kid anymore. And I'm speaking to Andre Drummond choosing to flop. I'm speaking to Nikola Jokic kind of trying to find little cracks and lanes in which to operate rather than really make a concerted effort to try to back him down physically. And maybe these guys don't think they can. Uh, it's it's really a tribute to just the, the force that's coming off of D.A. He's just a completely different basketball player right now. And he got and it's unbelievable. Better as the game yeah. went on. Yes. Jokic was three for twelve from the floor in the second half. Yeah. And did not step to the free throw line. Uh-huh. How much time did we spend yesterday talking about uh oh, foul trouble, uh oh, foul trouble. That's gonna be a big a big key. The, the the officials, that officiating crew last night let them play physically early, and they really didn't change much and uh, how they uh, officiated that game. I thought Jokic, you know, bully balled a little bit. Might might have had a, a few more fouls than he had, but that was only the sixth game all year, including playoffs, that Jokic didn't shoot a yeah. free throw. And two of those games have been against the Suns. Wow. Yeah. This is uh, so. I I do think that um I do think that after last night, there's a great opportunity for the Phoenix Suns. I think they know they're the better team. I think the Nuggets know the Suns are the better team. Um, I also think the Nuggets are going to be hollered at vociferously today from their head coach because he accused them of playing soft, of wilting to the crowd. And I'm here to tell you that did happen. That's what's so new and cool oh, about yeah. all of this. And so th- this is the danger game. If you lose this game, then suddenly a, a potential boat race becomes a lot harder. You win this game, you've got a fast lane to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and that's where we're going next. The uh, influence the crowd did have last night in Game 1 over the Nuggets. There was a lot of people talking about it, including the participants. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata on this Tuesday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Suns have possession. Booker out on top. Booker, a three-pointer. Shazam! And one. He's hit. He's hit and fouled. Michael Porter fouls Devin Booker. 
Now the crowd's in it. Yes, they are. They were all night, mm-hmm. with, with due respect to Al McCoy and Tim Kempton. And how cool was that play, too, that Devin Booker hits the three, gets the foul from Michael Porter Jr., and I don't know if it was on purpose or if it was by design, but recreating the famous bubble pose after he hit the game winner against the Clippers where the side-by-side photos were up on Twitter almost immediately. Yeah. No, I know. I I, I think it was probably just an in-the-moment thing. He probably ended up on his back and went, oh, Let's okay. do this. Let's do this I've again. done this before. I've done this before. And that pose is is featured prominently oh. on a very expensive line of Suns Dude, t-shirts that's gone... His, his marketing people approve. <laughs> they approve of his choice of automobiles on the way to the game, and they approve of that as well. You saw that too, huh? I did. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Caprice? Yeah, listen, he, he's, he's, rolled into, uh, he's rolled into the arena a couple times with some classic automobiles. He just It's just a badass. It's a badass look is what it is. He wants to be... A superstar as much as we want him to be a superstar in every sense of the word. Well, guess Dad, what? Those yeah. two things have met. He He's a superstar. Uh-huh. And we'll get into Devin Booker's performance. It wasn't the eye-popping Game 6 performance he had against the L.A. Lakers, but uh, if I had to describe it, I would say it was a very mature performance by Devin Booker mm-hmm. last night. Now, let's get back to the, uh, the fans. That yeah. was one of the big topics of discussion after that game. Again, when you get to this level of the playoffs and you're not sharing airtime with any other basketball game and everybody's honing in on what you're doing, you can make an impression. And the Suns fans made an impression locally on that game and nationally last night. It was Chris Paul after the game talking about the second half run and just uh, listen to where he goes on the, on this thought. Just playing with pace. Uh, they got a nice little lead on us during the third quarter. But, you know, with our team and with the crowd, this crowd is crazy. It's crazy uh, to have the fans in there, the energy. Um, it's nothing like it. You know, and I told the guys, this is why we, we fought so hard during the regular season to get home court advantage. And I think we truly had that with our, with our fan base here. DeAndre Ayton on the crowd. Like I say the fans is the one, you know, making us, you know, they helping us play like this, man, coming out every night. And they showing the support they have. I swear, I'm seeing less and less seats. I don't even think I've seen seats today, available seats. So that was a great thing. It was la- This was the loudest game, to be honest, that I've ever played. Today was the loudest game, man. And, and that means something to the fans yeah. that are there and they're yeah. into the game to hear the players giving love back to them. It's reciprocal, and it's going to get well, – you know, if this continues, it, it can really snowball downhill and be a huge factor for the rest of this postseason. Yeah, listen, it, it's, this, is a, this is a subject of extreme importance to me, and, and, and I just absolutely love it because – Old Phoenix had a certain way about it. There were um, very much a hand-sitting audience. It's very much a geriatric older audience at Suns games. Um, The seven seconds or less was sort of like a mixture of the two. This is a very fresh, young, new energy. And this is not at all the way Phoenix fans are supposed to act. And it is. And the players are taking notice. Um, I I was blown away by it last night, as you were. And it's really just kind of a reminder here that that Suns fans are actually going to play a role in how far this basketball team goes because you are affecting the performance of this basketball team and you are affecting the performance of the opponent. And there are no denying there's no denying that. Now, will it be the same if you get the Clippers? We'll see. Will it be the same if you get the Jazz? We'll see. The Jazz, I, I'll, I guarantee you this. 
I don't know, Utah, are they full capacity now? I believe so. I think so. That place is going to be insane tonight. Mm-hmm. This is going to start to be a thing in arenas with a lot of passion that are now open to full capacity. Yeah. And and the return of it is going to be is going to bring performances and results and feelings that we have missed and we're not even prepared for. This is one of the most exciting things about this era that we are all heading into is this. We have, as people, we have been pent up for over a year due to a global pandemic. 15 years from now, we may look back and go, man, that messed me up. I mean, to live through a pandemic, what? Okay, then there's that. Then there's all the political rancor and all the hate and all the divide and all the rioting and all the nonsense and all the negativity that has been coming at us at 100 miles an hour for over 12 months. And now we've got something good and people who are creative and people who are passionate and people who love to be around positive energy. They're changing the energy. It's and it's happening in concert venues. It's happening in sporting venues. And we in Phoenix, Arizona are at the forefront of it all. And that's why we're going to open up our radio show now to a live studio audience. <laughs> So we can get that same. No, I'm just well. Joking. I mean, it, it, it to me, it, it just it hits real deep because this is bigger than just Suns fans. Although it's also unique to Suns fans, there's something very special going on in that building. Yes, must be the PA announcer. Yeah, I mean that guy is incredible. <laughs> I I love, love that guy. He's a maestro, great jungle guy. I loved in your column on ArizonaSports.com, you referred to they, the the crowd didn't need the prompting from the PA announcer. Yeah, I can't even get a I can't even well, get a name. Yeah. No, it's like it's like <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to slow down the narrative, man. I, I gotcha. Everyone knows it's you. I just loved it. it. Was like it's like when Bill Walton used to call Laker games, and he has to say like instead of talking about his son Luke, he used to like and passes the ball to Walton. <laughs> well, again, it's 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 just the narrative arc. I, we don't need to get sidetracked. I know. I, know, I, know. I just I'll just, just poke. There, there, there was no malicious malicious <laughs> involved there. But there was a there was a notable difference last night. Oh, I yeah. I made the point game five when the Suns just started rolling. That crowd because it was the Lakers. They were out for blood. They wanted to win by a hundred, mm-hmm. and no lead was big enough for that crowd. And I had my doubts. We talked about it yesterday. All right, the Lakers are sitting at home. The Lakers are on the beach now. The Denver Nuggets are coming in. The Denver Nuggets. If you ask Suns fans who are your five most hated teams in basketball, the Nuggets wouldn't show up on most people's list. There's not a big Denver no. Nugget contingency no. of fans here in no. the Valley. So I wondered what it would be like. Me too. Would that decrease the energy pregame? There was no beat LA chant. There's not a you know. There's not a convenient chant for the Nuggets. It was a little understated. As soon as the ball got tipped in the air, they ramped it back up, Uh and it was almost a hundred percent Suns fans last night. Yes, it was a very much a partisan gathering. It and like I said, I I think that last night, if if you were looking for an ideal, this is what you would want all of our teams to enjoy. You would want all of our teams to enjoy. Um, enough people that want to be at a game and go crazy that opposing fans of other teams just no longer even think, hey, you know what's a good idea? Let's go see our team tonight. It's cool. No one's going to sweat us. It's Phoenix, Arizona. They don't care. No, really. Dude, seriously, they don't even boo. We can cheer for our own team. In fact, you know what? We can take over the entire arena. Yeah. Really? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. Wear the Kobe jersey. So Right, exactly. So, I mean, to me, this is... 
If if there were Nuggets fans in the Valley, you would not want to walk into that building. I I mean, I saw a couple. I'm not going to lie, but I didn't see you know groups of them. Uh, we have a, a piece on ArizonaSports.com too about the the national crowd reaction. ESPN Sports Center Phoenix is lit right now with the picture of uh, Tory Craig's dunk. Uh, Sky Sports NBA Siri defined playoff atmosphere, and it's a video of, of Suns fans um, cheering. Cassidy Hubbard, ESPN, the Suns crowd is on another level right now. Andrew Schlecht, who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder, this Phoenix crowd makes me love basketball more. This is awesome. Jason Concepcion from The Ringer, it's a mosh pit in Phoenix. Chris Herring, this crowd sounds incredible on television. People are noticing, and that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. And 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 the players are noticing too. And what the what the crowd is getting from the players, the players are getting back from the crowd. Right, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, it's the ener- energy exchange. It's why performers yep. perform. It's so fantastic. Listen all day tomorrow for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the sold-out Phoenix Suns Denver Nuggets Game 2. It's the hottest tickets in town. Game day giveaway. And it's coming up tomorrow. The day did start on a little bit of a damper for the Suns when Monty Williams, not awarded Coach of the Year, will share our thoughts on it next. Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. I ain't even tripped. I mean, coach was voted uh, coach of the year by his peers. You know, when you've been in this league long enough, things like that happen. I'm sure coach not tripping. You know, he's just going to come to work, put his hard hat on every day, and that's not what you do it for. But, you know, congrats to Coach Tippetto, but obviously we we know who mine is. That was Chris Paul during his TNT interview post game after Game 1 went over the Denver Nuggets last night. That's the way the uh, the afternoon started. Is when the uh, players are starting to trickle into the arena. News broke that uh, Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks, 351 total points, 11 points better in the Coach of the Year balloting over Monty Williams, who had more first place votes but finished with 340, well ahead of Quinn Snyder, who finished third. Um, and I think Chris Paul's reaction is the right one to point out Monty Williams already won a Coach of the Year that was voted on by his peers. Um, you know, it's not what you do it for. He's right. No, but to be recognized by your peers, I think, holds more weight. And that might sound like in, me in rationalizing media without a doubt. Absolutely, without a doubt. When when we know that um, the level of attention paid to certain teams, certain cities, is not what it should be for for a lot of these voters. Yeah, if this was nineteen nineties NBA media, it would be a big deal. Um, the media in general has been going through a state of marginalization. I, I really, I, I think it's very easy to feel insulted if you're a Suns fan and you love Monty Williams and those two things seem to go hand mm-hmm. in hand. Monty, and I'm not trying to marginalize the job Monty Williams has done here, but it, this is really, this is the the job in whole that he's done, which is why I thought Devin Booker's comments were more poignant than Chris Paul. Chris Paul has had a big influence on changing helping Monty Williams this year. I think that hurt Monty Williams. I agree with you completely. But here was Devin Booker. You mentioned his comments. Here's what he had to say on uh, Monty getting uh, second place in Coach of the Year balloting. And obviously, um, you know, I've seen that pregame. Um, I mean, no disrespect to, you know, Tibbs or any other coach, Quinn, but you know, you know my answer. 
you know, Monty's came in here and, and shifted the culture, you know, tremendously. And, you know, I've, I've seen the, the bottom, you know, and once he got here, you know, that energy changed, the gym changed, um, personnel changed. Um, and he, you know, he developed a culture that, you know, we, we all bought into and, and love. And it's a, I always say it every day, you know, the culture is something, you know, that makes coming to work every day fun. And that started with, with coach Monty. So, you know, he's definitely deserving of it. I mean, I think when the coaches voted themselves that they put him as coach of the year. Um, so kind of similar to when, you know, the players voted me into the all-star and then some other people come in and, and, and make the decision. But, you know, Coach Monty's our coach of the year for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a great answer, especially from a guy, and, and, and Book made reference to it. He's seen the bottom. He's in his sixth year. He's played for five head coaches. I would love for him to rank like his top five bottom pit moments in Phoenix. What exactly they were. I don't think you could ever get him to do that. I don't think so either. I think he just so quietly went through all that pain to get to this point in his career. He doesn't even want to look back. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say I want him to to rank his top five head coaches he's played for on the Suns. (laughs) (laughs) Which he could do. He could could. do that. Yeah, listen, so, so yeah, the bottom line is this. I do. I agree with everyone who thinks Monty Williams should have won. I do agree that Monty Williams should have been coach of the year. I think when you go um, from five games below 500 to 30 games above 500, that's pretty significant. And But, but I also know Tom Thibodeau's effect on that Knicks team has been tremendous. Tom Thibodeau is a very accomplished basketball coach. He's got a heart of gold. Players love him until they can't stand him. He burns guys out because all he does is scream, and he demands defense, 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 defense. And it works for a little bit, and after a while, guys get sick of it. And then he gets fired, and it's and it repeats. But, he, but he's not like an interloper. This is a real basketball guy. And so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hypocrite because about a month ago I said either one of these guys I'll listen to, but don't bring to me Quinn Snyder, don't bring to me Steve Nash, Doc Rivers. That's not the level of accomplishment we're talking about here. So I, I feel bad for Monty, but I think in a weird way, it, it elicited some testimony from players that might have been more powerful in him not winning it than had he won it. That's why Monty lost, though, is not because of Tom Thibodeau. It's because of the people that did vote Quinn Snyder or Doc Rivers ahead of Monty for second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Thibodeau got 42 second-place votes, so he had, you know, it was eighty on 85 ballots first or second, where Monty was only 77. By all accounts, the media has already screwed up the NBA MVP award. Okay? They've already screwed that up. Well, chances are they screwed this up too. I, I think the right guy's going to end up winning the MVP award. Okay, I, I, but, I will have absolutely. But I'm sorry, Steph Curry top three, Chris Paul not. That's not Look, cool. You know how I feel yeah, I know about you do. that. I do. But I, I, I'm I'm hoping that the media gets it right, despite that that late weird push for Curry and that Jokic does win the award. I think he's deserving of it. Bobby Marks from ESPN, the NBA front office insider, was on with Doug and Wolf today. He also commented on Monty Williams falling short in the Coach of the Year voting. It's going to be interesting when, because eventually the league does put out who voted for who. Um, those people will probably be publicly scorned, um, <laughs> you know, at the stakes when, when that happens. At least, in, at least in Phoenix, it's, yeah, I don't get it. You know, I think you could have made an argument for, you know, certainly Monty, certainly Tibbs. I think Quinn Snyder did a you know, really good job. And Utah, a little bit of a different circumstance because that team was a playoff team, mm-hmm. um, unlike New York and, uh, and Phoenix were uh, a year ago here. But, yeah, it is interesting because, like, what, you know, it, it's always in, you know, 
it's always in either MVP or all NBA. It's like, like, what are we watching here? Right. <laughs> well, listen, for people who hasn't, who have never seen Nikola Jokic play, you might've watched last night's game and gone, okay, mm. not that impressive. Yeah. That that big what, guy stat gatherer does a lot of things well. That was not in, that was not indicative of what he's done this year. No, no, I know, but but but, but I'm not wrong. Yeah, um, I did see somebody tweet out, and I I didn't mark it, so I don't know who it was. Somebody who had seen ballots apparently and said Ramona Shelburne and Brian Windhorst from ESPN had Monty third, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, they said we should never have them on the show again because of that. <laughs> no, that's silly. I mean, look, look, both of those media people are very, very vested in their jobs. They are. They're, they're not. They're not pawning off balance ballots. I'm sorry, they're just not. We got to this place because there was a lot of chicanery happening with voting. There was a lot of people voting for hometown players. And they felt the need to kind of reel in the amount of votes that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not a good situation. I, I think, but I think Monty Williams. I think I think Monty Williams feels love. I think Monty Williams having signs on the back entrance of his gated community <laughs> is <laughs> probably worth more than this coaching award. I don't know. I think Monty Williams knows how much he's appreciated here. I I felt that before he told that story about the signs on the gate uh, yeah. on the gate that he enters his community yeah. in, but yeah, that was I, I thought that was a really so, cool yeah, story. Yeah, it was cool. And I thought Devin Booker summed it up perfectly. Monty's our coach of the year, yeah. and everybody in Phoenix knows it. And and, and that might, might be good enough when it's all said and done. As we do the day after Suns playoff games next, we open up the phone lines at 602-260-9870 to get your thoughts on Suns Nuggets, game one, points you want to make, concerns you have moving forward. Again, 602-260-9870 is the phone number. Your phone calls next here on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.